In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you. I'm like a southern belle today. (laughs) I want to see if you can hold on to that accent. (laughs) This is episode number 40, and we just moved into season three. We've been on hiatus for a little bit, so we felt it was a good time to shake our tail feathers and slide into a new season. The tone and tenor will be remarkably similar, although we're probably going to be a little bit more controversial because the times call for it. So what's this episode all about? Right now, the title is New South old rules. And just to preview a little bit about what we're going to be covering, we're really going to be talking a little bit about A Tale of Two Republics. Obviously, based on the title, we're going to talk a little bit about the Old North and the Old South, but it's in a very new way. It's coming to us from new angles, from maybe slightly different perspectives, but it's not new. So we'll call it the New South, but it's following the old rules. And we'll talk a little bit about what those old rules are. Additionally, um, we're going to highlight all of those things. And then at the end of this, give us a little set of call to actions as we try to do that on a regular basis, um, especially for season three. We're going to make sure that call to action is top of mind. Let's go ahead and jump into it. So um, at my top, we're running down our bullets at the top. I have a tale of two republics. This story has never been finished, right? One of what we would call from our history books, uh, and those history books are fraught with misinformation, but I would say the Old North and the Old South, right? Old foes. We had the Union versus the Confederacy. And the New South still exists. It's embedded in cultural norms, ideologies, things that have been passed down that aren't true. (laughs) So we're going to examine a lot of that today. Um, But if you follow the ideas where old rules reign today, there you will find the hate of yesterday. The hate of yesterday is still very much alive in the Republic. It's one of the two republics. The Confederacy was never stamped out. It was brought back in the house and we thought we could manage it. Now, you have triggered me just a bit today because I, you know, when I think about the Civil War, we won, right? The North won. The North absolutely took over. There was a thing called reconciliation. Now, you're talking to me about our, it just kind of also triggered me again because you're talking about history and our, and our education, right? And I think that's as far as it went. I, I think I only recall them talking about we won and reconciliation and Lincoln was dead. So I thought we were solved. I I don't, you know, I understand where this is coming from, but I'm a little upset that we, we didn't settle. It doesn't seem like settled South. No. And I think as America, I mean, if you go point in time, if you look at, there were certain things happening where America wanted to turn a new leaf and wanted to present itself to the world as an enlightened state founded on enlightenment principles. And the world's 
preeminent democracy. I mean, one of the most democratic countries the world had seen. How democratic? I mean, it's all relative, right? Relative to communism, relative to other systems, um, even socialism. You know,、uh, if you think about England, you think about Great Britain and their House of Lords, House of Commons. <laughs> they they still have some heredity rule. Anyway, I digress. In the history, yeah, we wanted to put the ugliness.、Um, Of the South behind us and pretend that we were we were better people, we were a better society, and really none of that was true. I mean, we fought a civil war, and the North technically won, but it didn't win the war. It won the battle. It won the final battle that ended the civil war, but the cultural war between people who believe in egalitarianism. The idea that as humans, as humans, regardless of our gender and regardless of the color of our skin, we are imbued with inalienable rights. This is a part of our founding documents. But <laughs> throughout history, you can see where Confederate ideology, the Old South ideology, really imbued itself with this supremacy because it worked really well for them economically. The economics we've made the point. The economics of today are a, a merging of the old slave way of doing things and the new "quote unquote" industrialized way of doing things. But really, it just drove down. You know, it drove down what workers would have access to. So we digress with that. But the tale of two republics never ended, right? It just it was an oscillation of. How much is the country willing to exhaust its own resources to resolve this internal conflict? Over time, it got tired. So we went through Reconstruction. Reconstruction was never finished. It was always embattled. You mentioned Lincoln was assassinated. Well, back then, the president was not necessarily a part of the party that the the vice president was not necessarily a part of the party or the ideology of the president at that time. Today, it's not like that, but back then it was, and so. When Lincoln was assassinated, the person who became president had really no interest in finishing Reconstruction. They had more interest in getting what they could from the presidency while they had it, and they were from that particular president at the time. Had every interest to sell out black people in the South, poor people in the South, <laughs>、um, and I'm using the South in the old term. So. You know, fast forward to today, and that that pendulum is swinging again. So after Reconstruction, it was lost to Jim Crow, and Jim Crow is not just an idea; it was codified in laws throughout the South. People were never held accountable for lynchings, and Ray and I at some point are going to talk about some of the active trials ongoing right now, which are cases of modern day lynchings. Of the old style with new technology, but this idea we must not ever forget—it never went away. The tale of two republics, we still have it. I'm glad that,、um, and frankly, you broached this. I, I believe that when we originally started to talk about、um, the effort of the tale of two republics. Um, you kind of shocked me, and this is before the break, right? So I've had a lot of time to digest、uh, what we discussed, and this ideal that the Confederacy still exists, 
the ideals of the Confederacy are strong. And the people that were in power, what I've learned is that we basically gave them back their power. So it was basically like, whoops, whoopsie daisy war. And, and, and we're, and that's the problem. I, the insurrection, they're trying to do it again. So you can't, you can't be confused about what happened in this reconstruction effort. The insurrection happened. We know it happened on January 6th, right? And now there's a huge segment, I would suppose, the new South saying, whoa, no, no, no. Oh, that was, that, that was just a, that was just a blip. That was nothing. So is that what, how they treated the Civil War? It appears like it. Everyone said, oops, that was a blip. Clean hands. Everybody gets their company back. Everybody gets their bank accounts back. And we just march towards um, the, the new or the new South, if you will, or the, the new Republic, which actually still had the old Republic at its base, that, that festering base of, frankly, racism and classism. Yeah, it was a huge, unfair compromise, again, for the sake of economics. So not to bury us in history, but at the pinnacle for when we needed to make the right choice to finish Reconstruction, we ended up going with the whims of people's pocketbooks. We headed, the country was heading into recession. Economically speaking, the whole country was going to be destitute because the whole country just fought a civil war and we've been trying to reconstruct our way out of it. And the finances just didn't come through and they didn't have the faith to borrow like they do today to borrow for tax cuts, apparently. But back in the day, we didn't have the good faith and credit sufficient enough to borrow to finish reconstruction. And instead they put everyone back to work. And like you said, they put back in the hands so this is the elites of the day thinking long-term for the sake of the Republic, the people who knew how to run those farms the best, they were basically reinstalled. I'm using the term farms because after that, theoretically, they weren't plantations anymore. It was sharecropping. It was, it was some other form, you know, less uh, severe than slavery, but no less oppressive in its effects. Right. Hmm. I think it's a, well, so what is it? The, you know, like, and I'll only touch on it briefly, but the ideal of, and that's why it's so easy to get on board with this new Republic and the old Republic is there, which it's, it's almost like this. It's not, it's, it's, it's existing as a counterweight to progress, right? It feel like it's pulling down wages. So these Southern States Frankly, if we're going to talk about the flat politics of today, there are Southern states who are keeping us from moving in the way of progress, moving the way of social programs. So they're just they're just a counterweight to counterweight to keep us from progressing. But what was there was that their initial intention? I guess to keep us in servitude, in a sense, like all people in servitude. Because in the North, they didn't have slavery largely. So how did how did we all get in the same place where, frankly, all workers are treated badly, like mm. many slaves, in my sense, just enough to pay the bills, but not enough to build wealth, not enough to build a savings account, not enough to live by your own choice. To me, that seems like slavery, servitude still. But I'm curious your thoughts. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is where the ideologies of white supremacy and misogyny come into play, right? Because for a very long time throughout our written 
history or the history that's been written for us, <laughs> um, men have been at the top or first in line. And then in our country, especially white men, um, first in line, ahead of women and everything else. And so these ideas are very powerful for the powerful to keep everyone in check because there's way more of us than there are of them. So I take us back to the French Revolution. <laughs> we were talking about, this is like, to me, it's such a great example. It's like if you have a King Louis and you have a Marie Antoinette, where they consume all of the nation's spoils and leave nothing for everyone behind, you get the French Revolution and off with their heads. And the elites, the rich, the wealthy, the powerful, the families that have handed down their wealth over generations are very aware. They, I'm sure one way or another, probably tell stories about the French Revolution because it, nothing scares them more, the Tucker Carlson's. Nothing scares them more than all of us getting together and rising up against the system because there are technically way more of us than them. And they want all the people with the guns under their house so that they aren't pointing the guns at them. I, it's a very dangerous game to be playing, but make no mistake, they're playing all of us. Like If you're not a part of a wealthy family where you go every Sunday and talk about the status of your family bank, then then you're not in, you're out. Like the rest, most of us, most of us are, are not in that wealth. So I think it comes back to self-preservation. It comes back to fear and scarcity and the fact that they use scarcity to keep everybody on this, on this concrete plantation, one paycheck away. And, it, and it, we were making the point too, it doesn't matter how much money you've made. We've got so many people climbing and climbing the sails on this ship, but the ship is still sinking. It really doesn't matter how high you climb up that mast. There's always going to be people higher. The ship will sink <laughs> and they're okay. And they're fine with the ship sinking as long as they stay above water. And it's I, terrible. Look, it's anecdotal, but I'm going to say it anyways. You and I had a dear friend, which we won't name here, who had that level of wealth, old family. And I remember having this terrible argument with him because he watched Marie Antoinette, the movie uh, starring uh, Kirsten Dunst. And, and he sympathized so heavily with Marie Antoinette because she was an Austrian and she didn't know the financial troubles the French were going through. And she was used to living a certain lifestyle. So it was unfair of the peasants to do that to her because she was just an Austrian girl. And that's how and I was, I was so taken back because I had never heard the argument, but it just struck me now, Michael, because you're talking about, yeah, they're worried too. And he is, he's worried like poor Antoinette. She was just a rich person who didn't know that the, the, the French were suffering. I mean, it was really kind of odd that that's what, that's what they took away from it. So it's all about perspective. And you're right. There's people, there are people at the top of that mast looking down at all the people rowing the ship saying, goodness me, you know, those fools, you know, but keep them there. Cause if any of them get too close, this mass, I can't share this mass. There's not enough space, mm -hmm. but, but capitalism has shown us quite clearly that more capacity, the better, right? We Financial can build more ships. We can build more ships. Yeah. We don't need your ship. We'll go get it. But that's the problem. They need us on their ship to row. Yes. Yes. Because they are not wealthy without our toil, without our work. 
So precarious, so precarious. Now, if they just shared more, if they were more sharing and more caring, like we propose, mm, these problems are less pervasive. They're less problematic. People don't steal when they have enough. People don't murder when they feel like things aren't being stolen from them. Like there's, there is a human psychology behind all of this that is at this point becoming ever, ever more clear. Ever more clear. And, and the choice is clear. What side of it um, do you, do you want to be on in a sense? And, and I want to be very clear and, and, and citizen do good did release an official post um, the, the organization that we're, we're part of does not advocate for no billionaires and no millionaires. Okay. We are class. We are, we are, um, 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 excuse me, uh, capitalists. We are preaching for many more billionaires and many more extreme number of millionaires. Wealth should be available to everyone. Everyone should be able to have a savings account in this country, because if you're your, your pursuit of happiness is having savings or enough money to take care of your family and save and enjoy wealth or build that wealth generationally, you should have that. But, but no, no, again, if you, if you give people too much, they could vote with their feet, right? They can build their own ship. And the wealthier are afraid of losing that control. That, that's freedom. People want to say free and, free and fair markets for competition. What a fun, what a fun concept. <laughs> uh, but they don't really believe in any of that. Yeah. No, no, no. They don't Only- want it to be free and fair. They want the market to be free and fair as long as I am making all the money from it. And, <laughs> you know, make sure the rules, we, we have so much legal corruption, embedded corruption in our, in our taxation, in how we conduct elections. We've got a lot of repairs. That need to be made. But with that, I think we need to take a break. Here's a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. As misinformation swirls in the cloud, we can hear the drumbeat of lies and violence grow louder in the distance. We must fully recognize and commit ourselves to the fact that self-rule requires unrelenting vigilance, an unwavering persistence that puts principle and reason above greed and hate we place our faith in self-rule as the means to fulfill the promise of freedom and justice for us all the time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day we are the proud sponsor of citizens prerogative podcast a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in their republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Please rate the podcast with five stars on iTunes through the app on the web or on your device. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Also, make sure you join our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get all the updates on all of our antics every couple of months, not just the podcast. While you're there, check out the shop, which has specialty merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution that helps us pay for production and for hosting. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. You know, we have really, um, I mean, the South 
yes, they own this. They own it from the perspective of the United States and our history, our, our complicated history. But I, I, the historian in me says we have to take it a little bit deeper, right, Mike? I think there's a deeper component, which this is leaning on. So it's, I wish, I don't wish, but there's not one villain in the room, right? This is a mm-hmm. complex net of power struggle that's gone on for eons, as long as the documented history is available, because they destroy the older stuff when it doesn't match right. But history that's available to us shows it's been a battle of the wits. It's been a battle of the minds. And history shows that this is something that's ingrained deeper. The ideals of um, classes or separation of uh, the servant class, et cetera. Um, these are a little bit older than the United States. So uh, Michael, I'm curious what your research showed or what you what your feeling is about you know, where did this, where did this start and how do we dismantle it even deeper than just the Confederacy? Oh yeah. Just scratching the surface. Right. And we are simplifying it in the model that we were given the North versus the South, but yes, it is not the North versus the South and it never has been. It's really been about the haves versus the have nots and how best for the haves to make sure they continue on having more or less. And this is reflected in the fact that, you know, only wealthy landowners were given the right to vote early on, not to mention that the right to vote wasn't even among all citizens back then. Um, You know, you had, there were so many litmus tests. So we've always been as a nation have always been a top down type of structure always from the founding fathers, the original patriarchy all the way to today in some States, right? Like you can do an archeological experiment and just look at the structure of certain States and see how little it's changed over the times. Um, And there's a culture there that supports it. So there is a misnomer in oversimplifying things, us versus them, North and South Confederates and union, very much oversimplifies the fact that we we were and are a complex nation made up of many cultures, many ideologies, vying to be free. Is it when you when when freedom comes into play? And I think you and I have been talking about this offline, right? Every person has a sense of control that they want to exude. And I think the church actively told a man that his place of control is in the household, right? That's his focus. He was, he was the ruler of his domain. And, and I think what that does is we need to understand that satiates a human need to have a sense of control and power. So maybe something as simple as you getting in your car, turning it on and choose where that car goes. You may be arguing with people against autonomy because literally they have boiled down our freedom so much. We're actually supposed to have unlimited freedom, but we have a boiled down freedom. And in that sense, it created many structures in our homes where the men exude this power and the women have power over the children and the children don't have to go into factories anymore. That's where we are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the differences used to be more so codified in law. And we've been pushing back against that. We, I mean, the greater we, the pluralistic group of people in this democracy have been trying to push back on the laws. We're starting to see the pendulum swing in the opposite direction again, but then there's the economy, stupid. 
Well, <laughs> I we just can say use that an in example, general, right? right? The economy. I like you is, put it. Yeah, go ahead. Can we use an example for the for the for the for the folks out there, pop culture wise? Britney Spears, free Britney situation right now is a good example of where a conservatorship is put over an individual, right? How is that any way fair freedom, right? Because she threatened, her actions threatened the economy of Britney Spears. So all of the family members and friends that were, it's all coming out now that were working for her. Well, they were worried they were all going to lose their jobs and their nest eggs, right? So they threatened their, and I, it's their economy, right? We all have, we're part of a greater economy, but we all have our personal economies and the fear of that economy being destroyed. Well, then we need to control this individual. How do you think that's not happening with us on the large? You know, companies in a sense are subjugating us into a position. For shareholder value. <laughs> For a singular, you know, a very narrow myopic goal. That's a great example you know, a very on the ground example, because I don't even think before the free Britney thing that people knew you could be put in a conservatorship. You can be owned. Um, and back in the day, this people, the state used to take control of people's autonomy and um, sterilize them. I mean, this is back in the eugenics days. So not only can they use eminent domain to come take your property, they can come for your genitals. And if you're a woman in Texas, you probably understand it a little bit better than the rest of us. But I digress. <laughs> very, you know, very, very good point and illustration to make there. Um, and so just to bring this home, we, we, we know it's complex, but we love talking about things and metaphors, making it simple. Because at the end of the day, your moral values, your moral internal compass and your sense of what is innately right, not what you've been told not what your indoctrination is, but as a human that yearns to be free, you know in your heart of hearts what that, what that feeling is like, what that sensation is. And so the simple rule to look for old rules, to find the new South, simply look for misogyny and look for white supremacy. White supremacy and misogyny are the hallmarks of that power structure, the power structure to put people in their proper places. It goes beyond classism, right? It's the law. And we have to remember there's a relationship between the law and the economy, and both of those things have a, have a determining effect on our freedoms. Um, and and I, I say that because there's a lot of business people out there who divorce themselves from politics or the law, which makes absolutely no sense. The only time they concern themselves with the law is when they're talking about taxes. <laughs> and that's the wrong conversation, but that's another episode. So in any case, talking about New South, old rules, look for those old rules, because if there's anything we've learned over time, new knowledge brought to us through the scientific method as well as many other types of studying of society has proven that all humans are the same species. Race and gender are made up by us for our own means, okay? Just because a woman and a man have different physical parts, does it make them a different species? Does it make them a different class? really means very little other than what how we reproduce 
I mean, quite frankly, that's about it. And when you start putting or believing in ideas that go beyond reproduction that are based on gender, that's indoctrination. Those are the old rules. And we need to be mindful of them because they're not true. We know it's not true anymore. If we think about the new rules, it seems like kind of a hands off my identity idealism. And it's strange because there's a lot of people that are screaming for control of people, but at the same time want freedom and, and don't think the government should be telling them what to do with their bodies, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it really is a, 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 a we're, we're, I think where we're at the point as with citizens prerogative is to really start defining key definitions and issues to take down. So I think what we're saying today is, and I want to clarify with Mike is that, you know, the Confederacy is not dead. We are still fixing those same problems. The old, that's why we say it's a two republic issue. It's a tale of two republics. If you need to recite back, Edwards was talking about it on the campaign. It got traction. Okay. It was a true story. It's an issue that we faced with. And, and, and to this day, you know, it's strange because the South still continues to hold some of the most economically depressed states. Like we literally never finished reconstruction. Everyone will benefit when we reconcile and we repair. So we're focused on this. And I think for a talking point, it's clear. We're dealing with two different republics here. The Confederacy, we never repaired it. So I think that's the knowledge takeaway without a doubt is that um, do understand that there was good work that was set forth when the Confederacy fell, but the effort to rebuild fell like so many American projects. We're all used to this. It shouldn't shock you that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we only have a very small limited set of like public services like Medicare and things like that. Right. Cause you can only win a portion of a war in this country. You can never win the whole war. And so we've got to keep pushing for portions. So we have about four bullets, five bullets here for a call to action. The first thing we want everyone to do is realize that every human is their own entity with inalienable rights, according to our founding documents. No race or gender is inherently superior, nor should it wield power over another. This is the definition of egalitarianism. This is the freedom promised to all of us under the laws of our republic or at least under the Constitution. Not all the laws agree with the Constitution right now. We're going to have to work that one out. Speaking of, <laughs> maps are being drawn. Maps, uh, we finished our census, and your representation, you're, you're getting taxed. You want to make sure you get representation in Congress. The maps are being drawn right now, and representation matters. So make sure your voice is heard. Um, there's one idea floating around out there. And I think this came out of San Jose in California. I'm not sure if it's getting picked up in other places, but there's this idea of a unity map. And unity maps show the way to more equal representation ac across more competitive districts. So, you know, if you were going to draw a map for representation in Congress, Everybody wants as much representation as possible. And in order to achieve that, you should have competitive races in your district. There shouldn't just be one party that runs and one party that wins. 
in any district because there are many of us in every district. And this party rule, this top-down control situation is very problematic. And we will be, I'm sure, getting in on it on a future episode here soon. We'll go back to season one. We talked a lot about how the party system should not exist. That's why we have seasons. <laughs> yes, go back, go back. I'll put it in the notes. Um, voting's being restricted in new ways, so you need to stay vigilant to find out how you can get the vote out for your community. Um, there's also a lot of special elections always going on, so if you can be mindful of that and make sure you show up every election there is, the better off you'll be. It's going to count more than ever, especially if you have any chance of knowing what's going on in and around where you live. Also, um, do your best to get interested in new tactics to combat inequality. This is in vote access and campaign funding. So your, your community needs you. And one of the ways that we can start making some inroads here is with like democracy vouchers. That's just an example. Seattle uh, recently has made some progress on this front. And what it does is it's trying to provide an alternative to this unlimited campaign slush world we're in, this unlimited financing since Citizens United, which is a whole other issue we have to deal with, money and politics. But there's a couple of things to look at. For San Jose, Unity Maps, and Seattle, they've got these democracy vouchers, which will be interesting. And then um, get involved and use your own agency to help make noise and march on the ideas that are important to our personal health, our climate, and our collective health. And I'm just throwing that out there as a generic call to action because there's just so much going on. And over the coming episodes, we'll start addressing it. But we need to tune in right now because the power structures that are in place are interested in maintaining themselves. And that is not to our advantage. Um, so keep an eye out for these maps that are being drawn. And hopefully you're getting more equal representation. If you're in one of those areas where you're not, then keep listening because we're going to be covering things in more detail about where the New South is showing up, what states, maybe what counties are doubling down on the old ways, on the old rules, which is a problem. So with those calls to action, which aren't necessarily the most concrete, so we'll continue making inroads on that as well for you in the future. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And knowledge for me, I do declare, Mr. Piscatelli. <laughs> oh, I love your Southern Dale. <laughs> uh, this has been something, that's for sure. For more information on this and other episodes, head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up the Contact Us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We saved the best for last. You are the best, and you have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful, and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fisley and Studios, Inc. <laughs> <laughs>